So we've been journeying through the, uh, the minor prophets in Glendale. Today is Jonah, and I've been asked to speak on Jonah. Jonah's a prophet, around 600 years B.C. He was given a clear message to deliver to the people of Nineveh. Nineveh, a big city, a notable city, a Gentile city, a wicked city. Jonah knew what to do. There was sometimes we struggle about what to do. Sometimes we struggle about what is the right thing to do in certain circumstances. In these circumstances, not so. It was quite clear what to do. God made it clear. He had it, heard it clearly. Go to the city. This wicked city. Speak against it. Jonah decided not to do what was the right thing to do. Though he knew the right thing to do. As I have got inside the book of Jonah in my thought and emotion it's gone from laughing to crying and everything in between the book of Jonah is like that and it gives us several messages that are key to me and my life you and your life the world of humanity Jonah was told what to do. He obviously felt this Gentile city, this wicked city. Jonah's heart was telling him they need just to sink in their own problem. I think Jonah knew the kind of God God was. He might relent. He might forgive. I can't go there. And Jonah ran away. It says he ran away to Tarshish or toward Tarshish. That's where he wanted to go. Tarshish was most probably southwest Spain. He was at one end of the Mediterranean, Nineveh. This was the other end of the large Mediterranean Sea. He had his sights set on as far away as he could go. He goes to Joppa, pays the fare, gets the boat. There's a violent storm. There's distress. There's obviously talk on the boat about who you are. And Jonah had communicated. We get in the chapter here. Jonah had communicated that God had told him to go to a certain place and he wasn't going, he was running away from God. They throw things overboard. 
As was typical in the then world, they cast lots. Where is the problem? The lot falls on Jonah. He's the problem. Jonah says, I'm the problem. Throw me overboard. Life is hopeless. I'm running away from what God has told me to do. And he spoke about them to God. And who he was, a Hebrew. God, the creator of, of all things. He's very clear about that. And who God is. I'm running away from God. We've got a problem on this boat. And I'm the problem. Throw me overboard. They cast lots. It fell on Jonah. He's overboard. There's a big fish. So the story goes on. The fish swallows Jonah. He's there three days and three nights. Weeds are wrapping around his head. He's as far in the depths as he can go and get. Then, fish vomits up Jonah. Jonah's now on dry land. So is the story. He's given a second chance. Jonah cast me overboard. The world would be a better place, actually, if I weren't around. Just get rid of me. But here he is on dry land. He's alive. Incredible story. So Jonah's given another chance. And then I I want you to go now, Jonah. And I want you to deliver the message that I told you to deliver to the Nineveh. So the people of Nineveh get a second chance. And this time Jonah goes and delivers the message. The Ninevites repent. From the king down, the entire city, God relents. The people are spared. Jonah's angry. This wretched city and this stench of wickedness that's here just don't deserve for this loving, compassionate God to suddenly come in and forgive and cleanse the place. God knows who Jonah is and pours out words on his heart toward God that enables us to see right into the heart of God. Oh God, you're a loving, compassionate, merciful God and we get beautiful, beautiful language. My reading and um, my reading and uh, uh, listening over the years to uh, sermons and narratives and commentaries on Jonah are surpassed by one. I must say it. A few years ago, I think it was a few years ago. 
someone who used to be part of Glendale um, as a young man going to school, Ben Jones. Um, Leslie, his mother, uh, gave me a, a connection to hear uh, him expound the book of Jonah. And it was three 30-minute sermons spoken over three Sundays. I was fascinated. Of all that I had seen and heard, this was the best. It was theologically exciting. It had context. For anybody who knows Ben, it had humor and wit. It had explanation. It unearthed the meaning and the application. It riveted me better than anything I'd ever seen or heard about Jonah. And I carried that in my, I revisited that in the last month and very much enjoyed carrying it. Ben opens up with his lovely style about language and the beauty of the language in this book. And he talks about hyperbole, you know, exaggerating to make a point. You know, like Jesus, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. He didn't mean take it out. Hyperbole language. Idiom. Where the words convey a different meaning than, than the individual uh, words put together uh, like it's raining torrential rain and you come to my house and you say oh Gordon it's raining cats and dogs and I say to you oh what sort of cats were they <laughs> and how big were the dogs and you think my goodness that that Irishman just doesn't get it. And uh, Ben makes it very living thing about the narrative of Jonah in idiomatic, hyperbole, etc., etc., language, not to be literally taken, but to get the meaning through. So we're not thinking, what sort of fish is it? But we're thinking, what's the meaning? And in this one-off, quick, let's just see critical meaning. Every day in our lives, most of us, don't we, we want to do the right thing. Righteousness is what we're called to do. And righteousness is about seeking to do the right thing in God's eyes. This story is about someone presented with the right thing and ran away and was trying to hide. That's the story of the Bible. Genesis begins, Adam and Eve. They didn't do the right thing. Sewed fig leaves together to try to hide. They couldn't hide. As a young man, I can remember 
I think it must have been the days of my youth. I still remember Ronald Biggs, the great train robber. Uh, he stole a lot of money from the train and he got himself to Brazil where, where there was no extradition treaty between the countries so he could live there and spend his money hiding from British law that could have got him. I think at one time he got to international waters where they did get him. But uh, when it comes to this world, it's possible, like Ronald Briggs, to get away with it and hide sometimes. What's the meaning of Jonah? We can't hide from God. There's nowhere to go. Jonah is down in the depths of the sea is the story here graphically to portray the meaning as far away as we can get with an intention to go right to the other end of the Mediterranean Sea but we cannot hide from God and the reality is nobody will ever be able to hide from God and nobody will hide from God it's my understanding of God and the story of the scripture. In this life, in the next, in the end, the reality of God will face all humanity. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if I know the right thing and want to go in the opposite way, I will not be happy. I will struggle. And in trying to get away, will throw me overboard. Do you know we're all very fragile? We're all on a fine line. And in that fragile, fine line of emotional, emotional, mental well-being, it's very easy for any of us to come to the point. You know, the world would be a better place if I wasn't in it. Throw me overboard. Get rid of me. I'm the problem. And this story takes us down to the depths. And what we find is Jonah overboard. But somebody's still holding Jonah. And it's God. As it were, there's no place I can go to get away from God. And while we struggle to do and strive and sometimes go in the opposite direction, we end up like hanging on with our fingernails maybe. But to actually go God's way is the peaceful, joyous way. Here's the challenge. In fact... Psalm 137, 139 rather, says it in a couple of verses. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I go up to heavens and you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea. Somebody like Jim Irwin who commanded the lunar volume on the moon, had no great 
pre-concept of God. But on the moon he had it. And when he held planet Earth behind his thumb, he was overwhelmed with a sense of God, the creator, that never left him for the rest of his life. We cannot hide from God. God may bring judgment. One of those little lines that I've remembered vividly, was it Andy's last message or the one before, not sure, but he just made the point. Judgment. God's judgment comes from a God who has a heart of love. And in love, He judges, but people will be brought back to embrace that love. Where are you and I today? Maybe there's ways we want to hide. Maybe there's a right thing we should be doing and not. Maybe there's a struggle. The amazing thing about this story is No matter how far away Jonah succeeded in getting, and he did get to Joppa, and he did pay the fare, and he did get the boat, and the boat went, and they did throw him overboard, and then there was a fish. But all the time, God's hands are on Jonah, is the story. And God will not let Jonah go. And God wouldn't let go of the wicked city of the Ninevites either, And God was going to bring the message of repentance to them. God doesn't want to let you and I or the people of the world go. God, God's holding our enjoyment in life is as much as I can embrace the reality of the God who holds on to me. We have that famous scripture, the just shall live by faith. That's not a faith that you and I work at energize ourselves to work up, produce. The true meaning of that is that just to live by his faithfulness. Living by faith the real way is in the presence of God recognizing that he holds me and I do not He will not abandon me and in that place to live. And when I don't do the right thing and I'm going the wrong way, there is a God who's holding me. Even in the depths of despair and distress, he wants to hold and have you and I know In the reality of this fragile life, his presence and goodness. Jonah has given a second chance to go and do the right thing. The Ninevites are giving the second chance to repent toward God. 
God is the God of the second chance, the hundredth chance, the thousandth chance. God is a God whose grace and love and mercy is limitless. That's the message of the Bible. But Jonah is particularly powerful in bringing out that message through very interesting, we might almost say laughable, story and language. But let's get the meaning. Jonah actually becomes angry. You thought he had been through enough to kind of be sensible now. But here, God, you are the kind of God I thought you were. I bring the message to Nineveh and and even the king down, the whole lot of them, they're in the spirit of sackcloth and ashes, repentance, and you've relented and spared the city. I'm angry with you, God. God can take that. God can take our anger too and our emotion. We're Jews. That Gentile city, it doesn't deserve all this goodness to be poured upon it. Look at the problems we have in our own house. God created all things. He created you and me. He wants the best for us. He wants the best for humanity. And one of the lessons I have to learn is, from this story, that that person, that family, that city, that country, that I might classify in my rational mind as hopeless and beyond the pale, I have to learn the lesson here, not to look at anything Buddy, city, family as hopeless. God's love and mercy is limitless. There's always hope. And let me, let you and I see that as we think of the world of humanity. And in the end, the heart of God comes out in an amazing way from the mouth of Jonah. Which is in chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. And this story enables us to see deeply into the heart of our God who knows the reality of a fallen world and humanity but he's in the business of redemption of all things. What is presented to us is inside the heart of God. Your gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Where are you?
where am I? Maybe in a very fragile state sometimes, even thinking, I'm a hopeless case. And I'm not any good to anybody else much. And the world would be a better place without me is the ultimate extremity. But God's love for you and me and compassion and to the world of humanity is one of limitless, unbounding, incredible compassion, slow to anger, abounding in love. And this God, in the message of Jonah, wants to hold on to you and me and not let us go. And along the way, judgment and distress is meant to bring us back to the place where we just relax and enjoy being held in the hands of this loving, powerful God. Help us to just quietly reflect on the reality of that and get the meaning of the message of Jonah. This God holding on to me, abounding in love, compassion, and mercy. Amen.